For I am crucified with Christ And yet I live Embrace the cross Where Jesus Welcome to Crossbound Ministries where we are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, encouraging Christians and pointing sinners to the cross. Will you please pray about supporting our broadcast and ministry that gives us the ability to spread God's word. You can get involved by going to crossboundministry.com. Please welcome our preacher, Mike Sadler, as he brings us an important message from God's word. Embrace the love Praise the Lord. I want to thank you for tuning in today to Crossbound Ministry. And for those of you that are new to our listening program, we are going through the Gospel of John, chapter by chapter, digging out those nuggets of gold in God's holy word that we may apply them to our life, that it may strengthen us our family, our marriage, amen, our relationship, our job, just us as an individual. The Bible says iron sharpeneth iron. So would you join with me as we go through the gospel of John? John chapter 11 is where we're going to be today. John chapter 11 and verse 45, and this is the plot to kill Jesus. The Bible says, then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believe on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. To many of the onlookers, this miracle unmistakably proclaimed the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ, and they believed in him and on him, the Bible says. They believed the deity, meaning he is God in the flesh. He is part of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And they believed it on them. At that moment, they were born again. They were not hell-bound anymore. No, they were heaven-bound with the hammer down. Amen. Just as I hope you are. So who else but God? Who else but God now? Now, we're just coming out of the where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead in this chapter, and who else but God could call forth a body from the grave after it had been dead for four days? Four days. They even said, wait, we can't get him. Don't roll the stone back. He stinks. Jesus said, step out of the way. Roll the stone back. Amen. And they knew that nobody except for God himself, could do those kind of miracles. And those that saw it believed on the Lord Jesus. But there were some that didn't. Verse 46 tells you that. But some of them went their way to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. You see, miracles can affect people's lives. It can change lives. And you know what the greatest miracle is today? A changed life. 
when you see somebody that, that's running around, that's all for themselves, that, that cheats, lies, and steals, and, and squanders, and steps on people, and all of a sudden they meet Jesus, man, they turn their life around, and they start living with God, and they get themselves morally clean, amen, that is a miracle, and people see that. And some will turn to Jesus because of that, and some will not. Some will harden their hearts as these did. See, that effect of that miracle, the effect of a miracle on a person's life depends on their moral condition. Where are they at morally? You see, if, one's, if one has a, a, a heart that's full of evil, full of rebellion and unbelieving, he will not believe even though there was one raised from the dead. The Bible says, and they did not in verse number 46. They know they had seen Lazarus be raised from the dead, but yet they chose not to believe. They were going to run tell the Pharisees what Jesus was doing and where he was at. And the Bible tells you that, that there'll be some that don't believe, even though one raised from the dead. And it tells you that about the rich man and Lazarus in Luke chapter 16. In verse number 31, and he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded the one rose from the dead. The Bible says that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So don't think for one second I'm preaching on Calvinism that only some will be saved. No, sir. No, ma'am. God has called everyone. The Bible says whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There is no elect. God's elected every one of us, but he's given you, he's given you free will. And there is something that is so sacred that God himself will not touch it. And that is your free will. He wants you to believe. He gives you that freedom. Amen. And the Bible says with all the miracles that Jesus did, and today, no matter how much a person can preach, there are some certain people that are going to harden their hearts and they will not believe. You see, if you break down atheism, it's really this. If you were to talk to an atheist and say, if I could give you full-blown proof, tangible proof that Jesus is God and you must be saved to get to heaven. There is a God. They would say they wouldn't believe even if you could give them all the proof in the world because the problem is a problem with the heart. They love their sin. They're going to hold on to their sin. They don't want a savior. They want their sin. The Bible says men love darkness and that is the root of the problem with atheism and agnosticism and all the other ones. But see, Jesus is the light. Jesus shines a light on your heart. And that's why people will turn on him and they hate him and they'll turn on you and hate you. But the Bible has called you to be a light in this world. If you are saved, if you are born again, hey, you are obligated. More so than that, you are commanded to live a godly life in front of people and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting that the first two letters in the word gospel is go. G-O, get up and go and spread the gospel. Amen. Whether or not they believe, it's on them. The Bible doesn't say you're supposed to try to, you, you got to convince them. No, it says tell them. It's up to them whether or not they believe. The Bible says dust off yourself and go to the next one if they don't believe. Amen. And here, Jesus was wanting these Pharisees, 
Sadducees and Gentiles, everybody else, he was wanting them to believe. And he did mighty miracles so that they would believe. So they say, hey, this is God. Verse 47, then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, what do we? For this man doeth many miracles. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees, they gathered their official council, their little club, their little clique to talk about what actions we should do. And you know what they said? What shall we do? This man's doing some miracles. Amen. What are, what are we going to do about this? How are we going to stop this? How are we going to slow him down? But listen, those Jewish leaders spoke their words, their own words, those words to their own condemnation. They admitted, listen to me, they admitted that the Lord Jesus was performing miracles, yet they would not believe on him. They didn't want to believe because they preferred their sin over a savior, but rather they, they took counsel to how can we overtake him? How can we stop him? You see, they were worried about more people following him than it was following them Worried about somebody taking a little power away from them. And listen to me, even our Lord's worst enemies confess that the Lord did many mighty and great miracles. The people that hated him, that wanted to kill him, that hung him on the cross, they confessed in this verse that he's done many mighty miracles. And don't you know, don't you know they would have denied it if they could have, but they couldn't. How could they? There was too many public miracles. There was too many witnesses to those great and mighty miracles to dare deny what the Lord Jesus had done. And here in this verse, they said that. What this man doeth many miracles. They had every chance to believe. They had every chance to be born again. They had every chance to escape hell. But they chose not to believe. They were worried about what I want. What I want, what I want. Can I just say the same thing people are worried about today? When they hear about Jesus, they think, well, I got to give this up, and I got to give that up, and I got to give up all my fun, and I can't go there, and I can't go drinking, and I can't go partying, and I can't go whooping it up. You listen to me. I thought the same thing, but the moment I got born again, listen to me, a peace moved inside of me that passes all understanding, and that was the first time in my life that I know what true joy really was. The Bible says he wants all to be saved. Second Peter 3, 9 tells you the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness but is long suffering to us word not willing that any should perish not one of you not one does he want to go to hell matter of fact he put his son on the cross to save you from the penalty of sin will you be like these pharisees will you look and say i don't want nothing to do with that I'm, i want what i want i'm gonna go my own way or will you humble yourself and say i know that I've sinned. And the only way, the only person that can save me is the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number 48, John chapter 11 and verse number 48. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans come and take away both our place and nation. The Jews greatly feared Jesus having a lot of followers. 
Do you know who else greatly fears Jesus having a lot of followers? The devil. The devil does everything that he can to try to stop the work of God. And you know what the work of God is in your life? To sanctify you, to purify you, that you'll read your Bible, that you'll pray, that you'll go to church, that you'll tithe, that you'll witness, that you'll live a godly life, that you'll do a good job on your job, amen, that you'll be a good witness and testimony to others. The devil wants to do everything he can to stop that and to discourage you and to put you down. The biggest tool the devil uses on a Christian or a preacher or a pastor is discouragement. Amen. Listen, you have to realize that did not come from God, that did not come from Jesus, and that did not come from the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. That came from the devil. He wants to do everything he can to stop you from living for the Lord. Why? Because the devil and the world believes that Christianity, it endangers their business. It undermines their profitable, wicked business. It steals customers away from the devil's house. Hey, there is some profitable businesses on this earth that make lots of money and they are doing people wrong listen and the devil loves those types of things the bible says what does it say about money it's the love of money that's the root of all evil and the devil knows how to use those tools see when he comes to you it's not going to be hey i'm the devil here i am no it's going to be about you hey you didn't get that hey they shouldn't have got that you should have got that Hey, you should have got that raise. You should have got that promotion. You should have got that job. How dare them say something about you? It's going to be about you. He's going to use you because you are naturally selfish. Just keep that in mind. But listen, the good things, they're going to come from God. God's going to say, humble yourself. The devil's going to say, lift yourself up. Just remember that. The next two verses, John chapter 11, verse 49 and verse 50. And one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, and said unto them, Ye know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. He was the high priest for that year, and he stands up and says, You know nothing at all. He was the religious leader, and he was the same one that was at the with there with Peter and John when they were brought before brought before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter four and verse six. He was not a believer on the Lord Jesus Christ. Caiaphas he predicted that the Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, but listen, he he was using it this thought as a thought of war, as a thought of casualties, like. A military strategist would think that, well, I'll just lose one and not all of them. That's what he was saying. But listen, it's deeper than that. See, he was worried about his own position, his own power, his own pride. That's what he was truly worried about. But he was using this that, hey, we'll get rid of this one, but we'll save all the rest. But truthfully, he was wanting to keep himself on his pedestal where he was lifted up and I am the one. But listen to me, God can use anybody he wants to. God can get his work done and he can use the devil's checkbook to do it, amen? If that's what God wants to do, he can use anybody and everybody he wants to. You would almost think that Caiaphas had accepted Jesus as a substitute for sinners. And that's the core doctrine of Christianity. Jesus was the substitute for sinners. But no, that's not the case with this man. That's not the case 
what he had said, but he himself did not believe on Jesus, that saving the souls, God used him to say something deeper than he thought. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Verse 51, and this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation. Verse 52, and not for the nation only, but that also he should gather together in one of the children of God that were scattered abroad. Doesn't that, that sounds great what he just said. You mean Jesus is going to die to save all the nation and gather out all of God's children together? Hey, this explains why Cephas said what he did. He did not speak that of his own authority. He did not make these things up by himself. He did not speak of this even on his own will, I don't believe. That message was spoken by God through him because of his title, because of his position. And I don't believe the man fully understood what he was even saying because what he was saying was true. Jesus did come to die for the nations, for the whole world. And God is going to gather together his people at one time. Not only the Jewish that get saved, but the Gentiles that get saved. And if you're unsure what a Jew is, then you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile all others. The Bible says that salvation is first to the Jew, but then to the Gentile. Amen. God wants us all to be saved. So it was a divine prophecy that Jesus would die for the nation of Israel. God spoke through this man because of his office he held, not because of his own personal righteousness. No, this man was a very sinful man. Even though he had a position as high priest, he was very sinful. Just the same today, just because somebody's got a position or a title does not mean they're holy and does not mean they are righteous. Hey, amen. That is determined before God. The title does nothing except for give you a title. Amen. Verse 53. Then from that day forth, they took counsel together for to put him to death. Jesus, therefore, walking no more openly among the Jews, but went thence unto a country near to the wilderness and to a city called Ephraim. And there continued with his disciples. I love that, how he stayed with his disciples. He stayed right with them no matter what. He never left them. Now, they left him, but he never walked away from them. Praise God for that. You listen to me. That's a valuable lesson in your life. No matter what you do, you turn your back on God. You walk away from God. He is not going to turn his back on you. If you are a child of God, you belong to him. The Bible says no man can pluck them out of my father's hand. Amen to that. You're not going to get away from him. But listen, the moment you turn around, he's there waiting on you like a loving father with his arms out. Come back home. Amen. So I love that part of that verse. And here the Pharisees were not convinced by the miracle at Bethany. They should have been, but they were not. But just as we said, even if one rose from the dead, they would not believe. And the same is to this very day. There are going to be some certain people that harden their hearts so much that if even a dead man climbed out of the ground and came back from the grave, they would not believe. Because as we said, it's a heart problem. Hey, if I believe there's a God, then I must believe I have to answer to him for the life that I'm living, for the sin that is in my life. I'm going to have to give an account for that. And that is why they choose 
not to believe. They lie to themselves. And these Pharisees here, they were even more hostile toward the Son of God after this. From that day, they plotted his death with a whole new intensity. We're going after him. Verse 55. And the Jews' Passover was nigh at hand, and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. And it was at this very Passover that the Lord Jesus would be crucified, would be hung on that cross. The people were required to go up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. For instance, if a Jew had touched a dead body, it was necessary for them to go through certain rituals in order to cleanse themselves to be clean. But here's the sad thing. The sad thing is the Jewish people thus, they were, they were purifying themselves while at the same time they were planning the death of the Passover lamb, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, that just shows you what a wicked heart they truly had. They chose not to believe. They were going up. They were going to purify themselves because of the Passover. But yet at the same time, they were plotting and planning to murder the Lamb of God. Now, they didn't just take his life. They couldn't have took it unless God allowed it. Jesus, God even said, no man take my life, yet I lay it down. Jesus laid it down for you and for me and the bible says no greater love than a man has than you lay down your life for them amen i know that i'm not worthy i am not worthy i am not worthy but he is he is worthy amen verse 56 and 57 then sought they for jesus and spake among themselves as they stood in the temple what think ye that he will not come to the feast now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a commandment that if any man knew where he were, he should show it that they might take him. As the people gathered in the temple, they started thinking about the miracle worker named Jesus who had been in his country. What about him? And how could they not? How could you not think about a man that raised another man from the dead? Now listen, he wasn't just a man. Jesus is God in the flesh. Amen. Of course he's on their mind because that just doesn't happen. And so here they are thinking about it and talking about it. And a discussion arose as to whether, hey, would he come to the feast? And that reason is given that same verse that they were after him. They had put a, a death warrant on him. In other words, if anybody sees him, if you know where he's at, you better come tell us right now. Hey, and I guarantee you the people were scared of those religious leaders. They had great power, great power. They could shut your business down. They could, they could cast you out as a black sheep in society. You couldn't go in the temple. I promise you, people were scared of them. And they had official orders that had gone out from the chief priests and the Pharisees for you better arrest Jesus. If you know where he's at, you tell us that we can come take him. And any, if anybody knows his whereabouts, they were commanded to come get him. Why? So that they could put him to death. But listen to me. It was Jesus' death on the cross that brings eternal life. It was more than just a man dying. Oh no, it's the precious blood of the Lamb. See, he was a spotless, sinless, 
perfect son of God, and he came to die for you and for me. Why? So that I may be saved of my sins. So the sins that you have committed, that you know that you've lied, that you've stolen, that you've looked with lust, maybe you've created your own God in your own mind, but listen to me, that's why Jesus came. He loved you so much that he died for you. And I ask you today, where will you spend eternity? Will you be like the Pharisees and not believe? Or will you humble yourself, repent of your sins, get on your knees, and put your faith and trust in the finished work on the cross that our Lord Jesus Christ did for you personally? We pray you have been blessed by today's message. If you have been saved or are in need of a prayer, please contact us at 352-247-9200. That's 352-247-9200. Thank you for tuning in to Crossbound Ministries Radio Broadcast. Will you please pray about supporting our ministry and broadcast? You can go to crossboundministry.com or send your support or a gift to P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. That's P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. For a gift of $10 or more, we will send you a booklet. Please pray for us as our ministry and radio broadcast grows. Tune in every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to hear a message from our preacher, Mike Sadler. You can follow Crossbound Ministry on Facebook, YouTube, and visit us on the web at crossboundministry.com. If you are a pregnant woman in need of help, there is hope. You can reach out to the Citrus Pregnancy Center. There are locations in Inverness and in Crystal River. Their phone number is 352-341-5176. That's 352-341-5176. This broadcast has been sponsored in part by Henley's Grading Incorporated for all your land clearing and hauling needs. Located in Hernando, Florida, 352-897-3507. That's 352-897-3507. This program is sponsored by Crossbound Ministry of Inverness, Florida.